0: What is up ladies and gentle nerds, it's your boy Graham, also known as HamHawks42 on the internet, and we are gathered here today to talk about magic. At least one card in particular, and I suppose it would be really nice if I knew what it was, but here we are, as always, unscripted, unplanned, and we are looking at the random card button on gatherer.wizards.com, which is the official database for Magic the Gathering. Alright, let's go. What are we talking about today? Well, whatever it is, it's going to be... We're talking for at least 10 minutes. Okay. The card that came up is Blizzard. And that is an enchantment for two green. So, green and a green enchantment. This is from Ice Age, appropriately, given the name. And uh, there are a couple things I'm noticing right out of the gate. So, the artwork is very striking. It is clearly, it's a picture of, it's a close-up on a face, of, a, of a, an apparently human face, um, with, that, that has just been covered in snow. Like, think Jack Nicholson at the end of The Shining. It's very much like that, um, except a little more visceral. Like, the snow is clearly blowing from behind this person, um, so it's almost like a snow drift has formed up around their head. So that's kinda yeah, that's kinda nasty. Um yeah, they're having a rough day, clearly. And it's, you know, yeah, they're caught in a blizzard, just like it would suggest. I'm also noticing that they're wearing the uh, part of part of their right hand is visible, and it looks like they're wearing fingerless gloves, which so they knew it was gonna be cold, but it looked like they didn't know how cold it was gonna be. Also, just throwing it out there, no hat. That's a bummer. Cause yeah, that would definitely help at least a little. Um Alright, so the, the card itself. So we have Blizzard. Let's go ahead and scroll down to the Oracle text. So here's how it would play today. So, card text. Cast this spell only if you control a Snowland. Okay, so you need to have a Snowland. Great. Cumulative upkeep of 2 Generic. Ugh. If you're not familiar with cumulative upkeep, it is a huge pain in the butt. There's a very good reason why Wizards is basically not using this mechanic anymore. The way that it works is. With traditional upkeep, when you hit the upkeep phase, appropriately enough, which is after you've untapped but before you draw, when you hit the upkeep phase, you have to pay any upkeep costs that are on permanents you control. It's something that they did back in the day to give an extra cost for having very large, very powerful creatures. They did away with it, I think, um, purely for just playability and fun. I think it just wasn't fun to lose out on mana in the long term because you've committed it to one permanent... Turn over turn over turn. So I think they realized that it wasn't really worth that much, um, and it ended up detracting from the game, so they took away from it. But you have cards like this that have a cumulative upkeep, and what that means is... Actually, let me just go ahead and read the reminder text here. At the beginning of your upkeep, put an age counter on this permanent, then sacrifice it unless you pay its upkeep cost for each age counter on it. So in this particular case, this card costs... Cumulative upkeep of two, which means you need to put, you need to, so you put a counter on it, an age counter, as it's known, then you have to pay two, two mana at the beginning of the first, at the beginning of your upkeep. So the first upkeep, after you have this in play, you have to pay that cost. Then, once you've paid that, on the next go round, during your next upkeep, you have to put a second age counter on it, now you have two, and so now you have to pay a total of four. So, and and that continues. It accumulates, hence cumulative upkeep. Um, Yeah, so that's just rough. And so cumulative upkeep is a huge pain. Now, there are some ways around that. There are opportunities to remove age counters with cards like uh, Power Conduit and and the like. There are other ones that, um, I think Soul Diviner is the, the other one that takes counters off of permanence. Those types of things that remove counters, you can take advantage of those to remove those age counters and prevent some of this um yeah so that's something but uh here we're here we are just talking about the cost and we haven't even talked about what the card actually does so here we go good get to the good part so you're paying you you have to have a snowland so you already have a restriction on when you play it there's this cumulative upkeep that could become really crippling really fast like within the second turn you're paying four mana within by the third turn you have to pay six so as a 2-drop, you really can't keep this thing around very long. So, what do you get? What's the benefit? Creatures with flying don't untap during their controller's untap steps. Ah, okay. I mean, that's a cool effect, being able to lock out lock down every single creature with flying. But I think they overvalued it a bit. Yeah, this is just a little too expensive. Um, yeah, so this is from Ice Age, and this was a rare. So they clearly thought this was... Really powerful. I don't know what flyers were rolling around back in Ice Age that could have made this worth it. But yeesh. Um, Yeah, I I don't get it. I think even if that had been a standard upkeep. So if you had to pay two and basically just keep those two tapped for the rest of the game for as long as Blizzard was here, and it locked down all flying creatures, okay. You know, that all of a sudden feels... A little more reasonable. So the idea is, okay, I tap these two forests, and now no flyers are allowed to untap. So okay, that that's interesting. Um, there there are a couple of flavor notes. One, I can appreciate green hating on flyers. That's something that we don't see that often in the color pie, but um, it, well, actually we do see it. We see it fairly often, but usually it's not relevant, just because. Flyers are good, sure, and being able to mitigate those is helpful, but only in certain matchups, only in certain formats. You know, it's a lot of the time it's just, you know, they're, they're sideboard cards at best, and that's if the payout is really good. So, it just because. They're just, you can't count on your opponent having flyers. It's not reasonable. Because if your opponent all of a sudden drops a goblin deck in front of you, it's like, well, all right, great. I'm glad I have all these hosers that I can't use anymore. And so this is a situation with Blizzard where you just don't get any, you know, if your opponent's not paying, not playing flyers, you could dump 10 mana into this thing and get no benefit for it. I mean, why you would continue to pay the upkeep cost at that point, I don't know, but you know, it's a, it's a dead card. It doesn't do anything. So, that sucks. Yeah, I mean, being able to... Uh, there are certain situations when this could completely lock out a game, though. If your opponent is running a significant number of flyers for any reason, wh- whether you're going up against a bird deck, dragon deck, even or non-tribal where they just happen to have a really good flying finisher, that's not uncommon. If, if you look at a lot of the different cards out there... You, a lot of stuff flies it is a very common ability so okay now there is one detail about this card specifically that makes it i mean there's a lot about this that makes it less than ideal i try not to use the word unplayable because there's always a circumstance to play anything um but even in the, if that circumstance is a casual thing to make your friends laugh because you actually played that thing um this is one of those blizzard is one of those where if you want to slot it in a commander deck just to see your friends go wait what it does what really that's that's about the value you get out of this because it's just not it's just not very good at the end of the day um but actually one there is, an Actually, here's a weakness, an interesting interaction that makes this even worse that I'm just going to go ahead and throw out. If your opponent is running a deck that allows them to proliferate, they can add age counters to this and make it accumulate even that, that much faster. If you're going up against an Atraxa deck, yes, um, Atraxa flies. She's an angel. So, okay, you can leverage that. You do have you know you so okay it's a flyer so you can stop her from from flying for a little while if she's tapped for any reason okay great but here's the problem because she proliferates every frickin' turn your cumulative upkeep is going to go up at double speed so the very first turn you have to pay four for this thing assuming attracts is already on the board and yeah and then the next turn you have to pay eight that's disgusting (laughs) Like, that's absolutely unreasonable, and there's no way you could ever do that. And the payoff is just, there's one thing that this payoff is missing. There's one critical piece that would take this from being expensive and not that's the difference between this being expensive and not that worth it versus a complete unplayable piece of trash um the artwork is really cool i like it um it's an interesting effect and it is an interesting time capsule and just for us to see where magic has come from but this is just unplayable because it does not tap the flyers when it comes into play that's the thing that this is really missing the fact that they only they don't untap that, that, that that's it. There's nothing tapping them down to begin with. So if you have a really big flyer that happens to be a blocker, this doesn't touch it. If the benefit you're getting out of a particular flying creature is keeping it back on defense or leveraging some passive ability on it, or an ability that doesn't cause it to doesn't force it to tap, Blizzard has no effect on that creature whatsoever. And, you know, it's just kind of preventing you from attacking because tapping it would kind of suck. But, like, that's it. That's all you're doing. It's just not good. It's, this card is just way too expensive. And the fact that it was the rare, they they clearly believed that flyers were going to be a huge deal. And this was going to be... Like the ultimate way to stop them, and yeah, no, it's just not there. That said, though, when we look at this, we can see the, we can see the steps that brought us to things like, um, I believe squall and uh, plummet. You know, those cards that hose flyers in their own unique way um, or that that take down flyers specifically you can see that those probably looked to this and other cards like it from Ice Age as inspiration because they were starting something here the, the flavor of green hating on flyers is definitely here also interesting point it's a green card but the art is almost exclusively white and blue now I know we're dealing with snow here, so okay, that's fine. It's, I mean, that is what it is. But it's an the other thing I find fascinating is it's a tap down effect or it's a lockdown effect, which is traditionally blue, and the artwork is tradition is very blue. But it's hosing on flyers, so it's green. Like if anything, this almost feels like a weird combination. Like if they were to reprint something like this in Simic. It would make a weird sort of sense, Simic uh, for new players being the green-blue color pair. That's something where blue locks things down generally as its primary form of removal, and green hates flyers and does a lot of stuff to remove flyers from the game. So removing flyers by tapping them down feels like an interesting intersection of those two colors that we don't see very often. So that like if this was printed today as an uncommon with no cumul- cumulative upkeep and it cost one blue and one green, I think this would be actually really fun. Like not great, but fun, and I would I would play that, you know? Actually something like that. If it had no upkeep, no cumulative upkeep and it only cost 2, that actually probably have to cost 4. Because of its impact in in commander and those types of things, it is situational though. So you could probably make an argument from anywhere between two and four. In in any case, you know that's one of those where printed at four as a rare, um, or no, sorry, printed at four as an uncommon. Printed at three, if you want to go rare, I think is where that would fall. Um, or hmm, that is okay. Printed at three at rare and it does not and the text functions the same way today where it does not tap the creature when it comes into play if you had a card today that costs one generic one blue one green and it was an uncommon that said uh creatures with flying do not untap during their controllers untap phase or untap step as it's called now that would be interesting Um, I, you know, that actually would be really fascinating. And I would play that probably, you know, I'd probably have one of that in, you know, like I have a, I have a, um, Saltai combo deck in commander, one of those to help slow down any, any, uh, any like aggro strategies that my opponents are using through the air. That could be nice. You know, like that could be a more specific like way of going after, those types of strategies as this stands it's just way too expensive that's the bottom line it's just too expensive for what it does take the upkeep up off make it regular upkeep instead of cumulative upkeep like there are some ways around that that you can make it suck less but at the end of the day it's just the cost the cost is just so high for an effect that's fine you know in the right situation that effect could be game defining like there there is a chance. That this card by itself can lock your opponent out of a game. That's cool. Like there are very few cards that do that. You know, but it has to be just the right opponent. And the other thing is any new creatures they put down, they get at least one swing unless you have something that can force them to come into play tapped. If you have other effects that, that force cards to come into play tapped, which if I'm not mistaken, a lot of those are um, a lot of those are white. There's some other ones I know. I think it's, what is it, uh, Chaos Orb, I think. Anyway, th- that's an artifact that does that. That kind of thing, all of a sudden, that could produce a combo that could be really useful. And that could be fun. But I don't know. The, the other card, actually, that I want to call out that this is reminding me of is, I believe it's called Dense Canopy. And what that does is it basically makes Flying Shadow. And what I mean by that is only... All flyers can only block other creatures with flying. So if a creature does not have flying, a creature with flying cannot block it all of a sudden. So so you have flyers, and then you have non-flyers. And those are two separate like levels. Those are two separate levels of combat that are occurring Um Apart from each other. And the reason I liken it to shadow is because a creature with shadow can only be blocked by other creatures with shadow. But they can also only block creatures with shadow. So it functions almost identically. With one key exception. And that's reach. Um, But, so because a creature with reach can block a creature with flying as well as a creature on the ground. But a creature with flying can only block other creatures with flying. Anyway, that's Dense Canopy. That's from the Kamigawa block. That has nothing to do with Blizzard other than that it is a, I believe a two drop enchantment that impacts the game and modifies the way flyers operate so actually maybe that's the real spiritual successor to blizzard um yeah i don't know there's there's there are the the bones of something really cool here there are a few i don't know there, there are a few things about this card that are interesting i mean clearly here i've been talking about it for 15 minutes so it's got the juices flowing This was clearly a predecessor to some cards that we know and love today. So, i got to say, it's interesting. I have no intention of playing it. I have no intention of purchasing it. I have no intention of owning any of these. Um, Unless, for some reason, I'm trying to put together a commander deck based around cards that we've seen on this show. Which is an idea that I've thought of that could be a lot of fun. But, uh, aside from that, and like silly kind of interactions, there's no way... Uh, I'm touching this. Unless, ooh, actually another thing I'm thinking of. I'm wondering if there's a card called Riot. And we can make a deck specifically based around um, video game company names. Hmm. I'll think on that. Anyway, this has been Overthinking MDG. I really appreciate you guys coming and hanging out. Whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on your favorite podcast app, or over on Anchor.fm, they are the ones who host this. They do a phenomenal job They're They have a great product. Highly recommend. Um, yeah, and I mean, they aren't paying me to say that. I mean, they pay me to say that at the top of the top of the podcast, but they don't pay pay for this one right here. Anyway, thanks guys for coming out. It means the world to me. I really appreciate it. You can also catch me live over on Twitch, Twitch.tv/hamhocks42. You can um, see me there every morning, 5:30 to 6:30 Eastern Time. A lot of janky nonsense, and that's also my morning workout. So if you want to see a guy struggle to do push-ups after losing a bunch of games of magic, man, do I have a show for you. All right. Thanks so much. I will catch you tomorrow, and I hope you're having a great day, great night, great whenever it is you're listening to this. All right. Later, guys.